raise a couple more to the revolution. We have only three words for you. Uh-oh. We're taking over. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the epic return of the Q-Zero Theatercast. This is your host, Artistic Director Dan Pelletier. Wow, it's uh, been too long. Um, don't even know, really know where to start. It's been such a wild and crazy time over, I mean, at this point, well, almost over a year since we've last had a podcast um, due to this just earth-shattering cataclysmic event that is the COVID-19 global pandemic. Um, I hope everybody out there was able to stay safe and, um, you know, not go too crazy or, uh, you know, broke or anything like that. It's, to put it into words, would take, you know, so much time. And maybe we'll do a whole episode just on how the theater world dealt with the pandemic. But I didn't want to start with that as we start back up uh, with what we're kind of going to call season 2.5 of the podcast and of the theater company because we didn't really get to start season three, but we're, we're only doing one more show this year. I didn't want to call it season three. So uh, season 2.5, uh, as we uh, send ourselves um out of this pandemic and back into producing theaters with our ever so anticipated production of heathers the musical which will be auditioning at the end of july and going up in october and then we will announce our third season which i cannot wait to get to do because like we're just gonna blow you away this is the year guys this is uh we are back better than ever stronger than ever we, with all this downtime we used it to regroup and revitalize and i just have so many things i want to tell you about of all these great changes but that's not why we're here today today uh you know we'll get into that at another time i just kind of want to ease into things with something uh, not necessarily light because uh, it's definitely something that's very important in theater but I wanted to just kind of start off with something that we're all going to need to be thinking about again soon and something we have not had to think about in a while and that is how do you market your show so I've got Q0's new official uh, marketing partner, Kelly Laughlin, and KML Headshots, uh, and I had the great pleasure of interviewing her the other evening, talking all things marketing theater. I don't want to ramble on too much, because I do that too much anyways, so I'm going to throw it back to my past self and let you guys listen to myself and Kelly talk about the wonders of marketing your show. Thanks for joining me, Kelly, uh, as we're here to discuss marketing in theater, uh, something you're very passionate about. So why don't you explain to our listening audience a little bit about your background and why this is so near and dear to your heart. Hi, I'm Kelly. I've been doing theater for well over a decade, and because of my passion for theater, as well as my background in photography, I ended up starting a photography business roughly about three years ago, where originally I was specializing in theatrical headshots. Slowly but surely that ended up morphing into uh, doing more marketing and production photos for different shows. And eventually that moved its way into 
me doing graphic design as well as all of these production photos and sort of marrying the two together to start to make essentially social media marketing for different theater companies in the Southern New Hampshire area, as well as Northern Massachusetts. Definitely something that is very important and I think uh, can often be overlooked. And I I 100% see theater companies adverse to changing their ways or sticking with, you know, what they've been doing. In your opinion, as someone who's, you know, starting to really get into this, what do you see companies doing uh, the most that you find effective? And uh, conversely, what do you see that you wish companies would do less of? The main thing that you want to do with a marketing campaign, with any marketing campaign, is to make your audience care about what they're looking at. So in order to create that personal attachment, I find that being able to put sort of faces and names together. One of my favorite things that I've been seeing companies do more and more is I absolutely love promotional videos for shows, specifically ones that are clearly the actors improving as their characters in order to promote people coming to see the show. It doesn't work for every single production, but for those that I've seen do it successfully, it actually can be incredibly entertaining to watch as an audience member and it gets you caring about the show i also find that being able to to not only see sort of the glamorous more polished production photos side of the show but also being able to see those behind the scenes and really get more of a look at it besides just the occasional rehearsal photo being like hey we actually had a rehearsal tonight would you say that's like your number one philosophy when it comes to marketing is, you know, creating those connections or if not, I think, you know, let's take a step back. What is like the most important philosophy when it comes to marketing and specifically marketing theater? Oh, I definitely think that it's making sure that not only are you promoting the show, but you're promoting the theater company as a whole. Yes, our main goal as people who are doing community theater is to promote the shows that we have been working so hard on. But the majority of our ticket sales tend to come from a built-in audience, an audience that comes to see the show because they come to see every show that this particular group puts on or every show that ends up being done at this particular theater location. Now, that's a difficult thing to build. Um, You know, in, in my experience, I think you don't start getting people um, you know, when you just start out, you start with people coming to see a specific show or see, a, you know, their friend in the show. And I think it can take anywhere almost from you know three to five years before you start getting that recognition of, OK, now I'm going to come see the shows at this venue. Do you see a, a similar type pattern? Well, it's scientifically proven that humans don't necessarily recognize something until they've had seven exposures to it. Honestly, that sounds pretty accurate. I would say that unless they have seen the name of a company flying around at least six or seven times, they're not really going to have a name recognition for themselves. So like I was saying, in order to build a more built-in audience for your show, one of the big things is that you have to build a built-in audience for your theater company and build some name recognition there as well as with whatever shows you're doing. I've seen a lot of groups that 
essentially, no matter what show they're doing, they have a very similar means of marketing the show. You know, their their publicity photos look all the same. They just use the the logo pack that comes with the logo. Their posters all look the same. And, you know, it's very nice and neat and organized. And it definitely can give a personality to the the company. It, it just feels, I don't know, I don't know if it's necessary. It feels lazy or it just... You know, it doesn't click or really have any pizzazz. So, and I've seen from working with you, you know, you try to come up with unique ways to market a specific show to a specific audience. Could you talk maybe about, um, you know, the philosophy behind that and how you go about coming up with the ideas on what techniques to use and what approach to use for each individual show on an individual basis? Oh, yeah, of course. So the first thing that I always do whenever walking into making marketing for any production is making sure that first of all, I read the script and then I make sure that I have a sit down meeting usually with the producer and the director um, to sort of get a feel from the director of what the direction of the show is. And then from a producer standpoint, Um, I get more of a feel of what they already have coming into it and what their expectations are as far as do they want me to make a new logo? Am I going to use that same exact boring logo pack that everybody uses? I find that um, unprofessional looking or very, very generic graphics is one thing that never works. If people have seen the same graphic 27,000 times, they're not going to be as interested to click on it. Usually my favorites to do are the ones that don't have the logo packs because then I go and I find the logo myself and I sort of pull from colors that other companies have used in the past or different motifs that appear throughout the shows. And I tend to base whatever I'm going to do off of that. So, for example, everybody has seen the logo for Heather's, right? The official, the official like uh, logo package one that I definitely I have not been using, or my crappy one I made in not Photoshop. That's been a it's been a stand-in for now. I haven't put out um, anything uh, you you've put together yet. Yeah, because I had sent you. I had sent you the purple one. I wasn't sure if you had been using that one yet because that was no. I, I but but I probably should start using it because my not Photoshop um, <laughs> MS Paint level logo <laughs> is probably not doing me any favors now that we're talking about it. So I should probably go back and um, if you can send me that as a nice, yeah. much cleaner, um, you know, JPEG or what the hell's the other one? PNG. Um, yeah, that one PNG. <laughs> You know, I know it when I'm looking at it, but it, you know, because like JPEG sounds very clean or like PNG sounds, I don't know, like, uh, I feel like they try to sell me supplements, you know, I'm going down to PNG. I know exactly what you're talking about. And ironically enough, PNG for the purposes of a logo actually makes a cleaner image. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyways. So yeah, talk, talk about, you know, specifically, I mean, with Heather's is our next production and the one that you're working with, uh, Q0 and myself on yeah talk a little bit more about that logo that will debut hopefully you know if not before this podcast shortly after essentially for Heather's where I ended up going with it was slightly off center from the usual logo that everybody always uses when you think of Heather's typically a lot of people think of your primary colors 
and green. And there is a lot of color blocking in the show, most of which uses just those colors. So instead, I kind of spun it on its head and I ended up using purple, mainly because I wanted specifically for Q0 to be able to give a sort of almost darker side to it because I thought that, that would fit a little bit better with Q0's usual appearance as far as their past marketing materials. We're definitely also leaning into uh, the nightmarish quality of the show with, uh, again, you know, not, not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, for my directorial uh, vision is definitely leaning into a, a dream slash nightmarish more... I, I hesitate to call it expressionistic because I feel like that's going to put wrong imagery in people's heads, but it's definitely a not a ground... Right, not as straightforward and a little bit more grotesque uh, Heathers than maybe other people. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I've personally... I'm, I'm a director that goes out of his way to avoid watching what other people have done. Um, I haven't even watched the original movie, which... Um, you know, some people are going to be like, what? Uh, whereas, um, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to lie. I'm sitting here and that was kind of what just went through my head because uh, that movie is an absolute wonderful cult classic. And I'm sorry, but after you finish the show, at the very least, you should watch the movie. Oh, no, I'm sure um, I'll, I'll probably watch it like <laughs> after opening night. I just I don't know. I have this whole thing about like, you know, I, 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 I only want to direct what's in the text and um making sure what's there is there and trying to avoid you know if i come to the same conclusions like i i got accused uh by um oh god i told this story a lot i think uh, a new hampshire theater award <laughs> adjudicator uh of stealing a bunch of choices from the original broadway production of into the woods and i'm like i've never seen that you know i i was born in 1990 i believe into the woods was on broadway in 87 and i know like they taped it but i didn't watch it so if you're telling me that i'm as good of a director as james lapine holy shit thank you for that great compliment i know you docked me a bunch of points because you think i just stole it but no i just read the script and went with what was there but yeah carry on with the graphics for heathers what i've kind of been leaning into was uh, looking at a lot of the original source material as far as the movie. Um, and one thing that just kept coming up was this theme of blue and purples, specifically surrounding Veronica and JD, because those tend to be their color blocked colors. Um, so instead of doing the typical girls with all of the mallets, like we are so accustomed to seeing I actually ended up taking a croquet ball and making it purple and then used some very nice sort of 3d effects on the the text so it looks like an old 80s 3d movie where you have like the the red and the blue I'm looking at it right now it's so much better than my garbage I'm I'm literally like I'm, yes I'm gonna keep listening to you and be a good podcast host but I'm also gonna go like replace everywhere I have my shit stained logo with your logo but yeah carry on please talk more about your uh, design process so essentially I took the color blocking and inspiration from one sort of hand drawn movie poster that was really really popular. 
the styling of it was really popular in the 80s when the original movie Heathers, well, late 80s, early 90s, when the original Heathers came out uh, to really evoke the time period and also help to give sort of a more dark and twisted take on what tends to be, in my opinion, almost a very like bubble gummed out logo for a show that is very very dark but yeah so it it's mainly looking at the text seeing what I can pull so for instance with Heather's croquet was really a big motif that's seen throughout all of the marketing and everything else with Heather's the color blocking kind of came from the original 90s poster and most of the artistic choices were references to popular things in the 80s to help evoke the time period. And I kind of do that with every show that I work on. So for instance, um, when I ended up working on a production of Gentleman's Guide before the shutdown, uh, we did something very similar to the original Broadway production, but I ended up focusing a lot more on the ensemble members of the production as opposed to just the one person who was playing the Dicequith family. Because another philosophy that I have with a lot of my marketing is to make sure that we have as many photos as possible of as many of the cast as possible, because people are more likely to share a photo that they're in as opposed to a photo that they're not. <laughs> You're right. Creating that personal connection, them being in the photo, and then it creates a familiarity when, you know, if someone's scrolling through social media or even if you can throw them up on the poster you know the first uh with the the last show we the last real show we opened we had uh which was the importance of being earnest we went with two posters we had one that was our logo that we really liked but then we created an alternate poster that had some of the cast photos on it and those were the ones that i tried to go heavier with uh, for, um, you know, certain areas where I thought, you know, those people were from, and I gave those posters to those specific actors. So, you know, someone walking down the street might go like, oh, hey, wait, I know Emily, or, oh, Hugo's in a play? Oh, I want to go see this, because, you know, they see that face, and they're like, hey, I know that person. Um, versus, you know, if they're just walking by, the like, ah, generic hat logo. Oh, yeah, that looks nice. I mean, you know, it was a very nice logo. Um, but you're right, I definitely think the uh, cast cast uh publicity photos 100% were the better direction and like what I'd like to lean into more in the future it pretty much puts the community back in community theater one of the big things that I always try to remember whenever I'm working on a community theater show especially is that we are selling to the community and a large part of the ticket sales if not most of them comes from not only just the built-in audience from the theater company or from the venue, but all of the friends and family for the cast that are going to be coming to see those people specifically. So the more that you're able to show all of those people specifically, the more likelihood there are for people to, like I was saying before, have those seven moments of exposure to remember that, oh, hey, so-and-so is in this show and I know that it's this weekend and that's one of the things I wanted to do to make sure that I could go and support my friend. Mm. Now, when it comes to creating those seven moments of exposure, that, uh, as you've called them, what is the most effective way to get that exposure? Is it just 
you know, putting your entire budget into your Instagram feed or is it uh, papering the downtown area of where the theater is with as many posters or do you need a variety of approaches? Like what do I need to do to make sure people are seeing and hearing about my show as much as possible? I personally am a little bit partial to Instagram myself, um, but by no means do I think that you need to put an entire budget into just social media. I think that would be a little bit insane. My usual suggestion is that you take a solid portion of your promotional budget and you put that aside for things like promotional photos so that you have your very nice polished photos and then you make sure that somebody at your rehearsal knows well enough to take rehearsal photos or you have some sort of an outlet for the cast to send all of those very nice photos that we all know that they sit over in the corner and take together while they're waiting to do their actual scene work um, so that you have sort of a built-in additional source of media that you can put up um my other big thing that I really like seeing that I find to be really really effective um, is something that you know people are going to see and they're going to see a lot so I know for instance some companies who have bigger budgets than I think I could really fathom having for most community theater productions uh they actually end up renting out different billboards and putting up their show's logo on the billboard which while it's astronomically expensive it's effective it's extraordinarily effective again going back to the production of into the woods um that was with the uh the actor singers who are you know they're very well established um and they do have a you know a, a bigger budget because they are a bigger organization and I cannot, like, you know, we're performing at the Keefe Auditorium in Nashua that seats over a thousand people. Um, and, you know, most of the people that did fill out that, like, how did you hear about us survey said they saw the billboard and, you know, they thought we were, like, the national tour or something. And, like, um, so just so, like, that just added a level of legitimacy that I think doesn't come across in some other avenues but you're right it it's not cheap i think it was you know it can be upwards of like two three hundred dollars a week uh just there and that can sometimes be the entire marketing budget for a smaller show exactly so it's obviously not something that is feasible for everybody but you know if you're looking at pie in the sky it's an option that i think more companies should think about i especially think that it's companies should think about more creative avenues like those as opposed to possibly like plastering the town with a bunch of posters because for every one poster you end up seeing in downtown I guarantee you that Sally May who is playing ensemble member number four has 17 posters that she has not put up where she said she would sitting in the backseat of her car and that is where those posters will be displayed. <laughs> when I worked at the palace, they actually used to offer the professional actors like a bonus for every poster they hung. Uh, they got like a dollar a poster, but they had to like submit a selfie with each poster. 
and like write down where they wrote it. But like it worked because those New York actors are so broke. So when they would bring in and you know, the 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 just starting out uh, actors that are like, you're telling me I can make fifty more dollars if I go hang fifty posters on my day off? Hell yeah! And then they'd go up and down Elm Street or. Uh, whatnot, and they would get every single business to let them hang a poster so they could just get that $1 extra per poster. Um, so, you know, again, if it's in your marketing budget and you can throw an extra something someone's way, maybe come up with something like that or have some sort of, um, you know, I've done playbill ad contests before where I, um, you know, specific, more so with my, my students where I'm like, okay, for every $25 of ad space you win, you're going to get a raffle ticket and we're going to raffle off um, you know, a, a gift card to Panera or something like that. And that's been effective. So maybe you got to do something like that to get more posters to end up in public and less posters to end up in bedrooms and car seats. And while I love those avenues, a lot of people just aren't paying attention to them either. Usually what I suggest is going for one big ticket item that you know will get a lot of eyes on it. Make that the focus of a large portion of your budget and then with the small amount for the rest of your budget, I usually say focus mainly on social media marketing, uh, because especially as we have proven through this pandemic, people are mainly getting their information through social media now. That's how we're hearing about all of our shows. That's how most people are hearing about auditions. People are following these theater companies in order to know what is happening in the local area. And we should really be taking advantage of that. And a lot of times, if somebody's already following your page, whether or not you actually need to pay for an ad space is questionable, depending on your social media following in general. Hello, Q0 fans. Q0 business advisor and performer Jake Ranlett here, interrupting your regularly scheduled podcast to talk about Q0 sponsorship and membership. As I'm sure you know, theater is really expensive, and we cannot survive on ticket sales alone, which is why we have these two awesome programs that not only allow Q0 to continue to revolutionize the performing arts scene in New Hampshire, but has incredible benefits for you as well. Sponsors get their name and logo in our playbill, on our posters, mentioned in our podcasts, listed on our press releases, and so much more. We go out of our way to make sure everyone knows about you and thanks you for helping make Q0 possible. We also have our membership program for individuals who want a little bit more bang for their buck and a lot more Q0 in their lives. We have 10 different levels of membership, starting as low as $2 a month. Every level of membership comes with awesome perks, such as early access to the Q0 Theater cast, discounts on tickets and merchandise, exclusive behind-the-scenes video content, the ability to read our New Works blog, and so much more. The more you give, the more you get. If you want to be a vital part of the Q0 revolution, Head on over to cztheater.com and click the Support CZT link to become a sponsor or a member today. And now, back to the podcast.
I was, you know, kind of just thinking of some other avenues that I've seen, and I think this was definitely something that was popular maybe five, six years ago that I don't think I've seen anyone do more recently. But what's your opinion on, like, the flash mob? Or, like, big spectac- like preview spectacles in person, whether they're announced or unannounced or, or something like that? I absolutely love them. I especially love them when we can partner when places can partner with say other nonprofits in the area. Um, I know a couple of years ago when I was working on a production of Pippin, we ended up performing at a charity banquet completely in costume. And we actually sold a lot of tickets that night from going and sort of interacting with everybody in character in costume and then performing one of the numbers. Um, I think that those sort of things are great and it can potentially be helpful for multiple groups. Uh, my one caveat with them is that I find that now that people kind of know what they are, a lot of venues have really, really cracked down about whether or not you're allowed to perform announced or unannounced. I'm one that says you should always get permission from your venue. I actually had this really, so like, you know, we've got our gorilla Shakespeare that we, and we always get permission for those and advertise them. But I've, I've, I had this idea where I, you know, before we did our baseball Romeo and Juliet that I wanted to do uh, Romeo and Juliet in the mall uh, and have like the, the, the Montagues like work at Best Buy and the Capulets work at like Sears. And we just start performing it like in the food court without permission until we get thrown out. Um, you know, I eventually you know stopped on that because again, I, I I don't know. I, I I can I like to ruffle certain feathers, but I just didn't want to ruffle that level of feathers because um, I feel like Simon Malls probably has pretty decent lawyers. Yeah, no. From from somebody who has worked in and around Simon Malls for a very long time, they they would throw you out within 10 minutes. All right, so but I could at least get through, uh, you know, biting our thumbs at each other. I think that'd be fun. And I think, like, that's more, you know, where the action is. Honestly, I don't know that I would suggest doing a full show like that, but it may be interesting for a publicity stunt as opposed to trying to do the full show just get through act one scene one until the prince or we can just everybody can pretend that mall security is the prince and just keep saying the lines to mall security as we're being escorted out um or they're chasing us with their segues because you know that's what they do is there anything that um uh you wanted to talk about that you are upset that i haven't brought up yet Ooh, here's a nice little rant that i know i can go on for a solid 10 minutes um the ease of which companies can still make original graphics like what i was talking about earlier fun facts uh including the heathers logo i have never made a logo using photoshop one of the big things that i constantly like to joke about is that everybody thinks that you need some sort of a graphic design degree or need to be a master of Photoshop or all of these other programs in order to make cohesive graphics. Entirely not the case. While it is necessary for things like photo editing, uh, things like graphic design, there are actually plenty of websites that 
will partner with nonprofits for discounted rates in order for them to use their services to make not only things like logos, but also things like I did a sort of spread that was graphics that had an announcement of a cast list or um, being able to list out things that I offer with photography or other general things that look like I made them in Photoshop, but I, I definitely did not. Uh, there's actually a website that I personally really, really like. It's called Canva for anybody who has not heard of it. I actually, I just popped open Canva now. Um, yeah, just kind of checking it out. I don't know, you might be giving away trade secrets and get less work or you're like, oh, it's so easy to do this. Why doesn't everyone do this? It, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Canva is extremely user-friendly. So long as you know how to work a mouse and type on a keyboard and you have like a general idea of how to create a color scheme which fun facts if you don't know how to do that you can google them google will give you many many things including color scheme ideas truly the internet is the solution but also the cause of most of our problems agreed canva is one of the many programs that is in the same sort of vein where they have a bunch of almost clip art kind of images that you can customize the colors of and then you can do different word art and other things both on top of them amidst them sort of make your own designs with all of them uh, to really make sort of larger scale graphics that make you look like you're an absolute graphic design genius when in reality it maybe took you 10 minutes to throw together with a membership that costs you maybe $10 a year. Final thoughts on marketing, things you want to say to our listeners who uh, are either in the theater or theater adjacent about um, things they could be doing better or um, even, you know, plug your plug yourself so you can get some more work. So final thought. In summary, I guess, be original. Make sure that there is something about the way that you are marketing your particular production that stands out from, you know, the other 15 productions that are going on at the same time, especially now that COVID is sort of coming to a close and everybody is doing a show. Make sure that you have some sort of an angle that will make people pay attention to you specifically. Use original graphics wherever possible. And um, if you ever need somebody who can take promotional photos for a decent price or make all of these graphics because you just do not want to do it yourself or you don't have the means to do it, um, people can find me over at kmlheadshots uh, at gmail.com. You can also find me at kindly kelly on instagram that's that's where you can find me and i'm more than happy to help work out whatever a different whatever different companies end up needing that's 
wonderful to hear all good points, all things I think I, uh, people should listen to, and hopefully they will. Um, so yeah, and we'll make sure that when we put this out, we uh, plug all your social media and whatnot. Um, but Kelly, thank you so much for taking this evening. I know this is like our fifth time trying to record <laughs> um, this podcast. Technical because, difficulties you know, just yeah, tend just... to run in my blood. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> All right, that's exactly what I want to hear from somebody on my production team. Um, all it right, never so uh, with graphics or with anything with marketing, okay. it's just whenever I go to use Zoom. Knocking on wood. <laughs> all right, well, uh, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you again, Kelly, for all of that wonderful insight into the world and the mindset of marketing for theater. Hope everybody took something great away from that. Again, I'm not going to ramble on today. I'm not going to bore you with everything. Just want to make sure we get a few plugs in. So just do check out Kelly at KML Headshots on all the social medias. She's wonderful. I'm sure you've all already seen our amazing logo for Heathers that she designed. She's going to be doing some pretty innovative stuff for our show once we get it cast. Um, and if you want to be a part of this show, reminder that auditions for all the open roles, which are pretty much a good chunk of them, uh, are July 27th at our, the new home for Q Zero Theater Company. That is the Granite State Arts Academy in Salem, New Hampshire. Head on over to our website, cztheater.com. Sign up for those. Do not wait because Everybody wants to be a part of the show. We can only see so many auditioners. And you would really be sad if you didn't get a slot. Stay tuned to all of our social media for some incredible updates that are going to be coming down the pipe about everything we do as we start hashtag restart the art and get the theater scene revitalized. And I hope everybody will go out and see as much theater as possible because we really need it. I know we've, we, the theater community, has missed our audiences. I know our audiences have missed us. So just go out, see shows, support the theaters. We need to get this back. We need to start having fun, but we need to be having fun again. We need to be feeling things again. I know you've watched everything on Netflix. You've exhausted HBO Max. There are no good movies coming out right now. You need live theater, and we hope to bring it to you. So I've got nothing more to say for this episode. And it's been a while since I've signed off. Let's see if I can remember how to do this. This is artistic director Dan Pelletier, here with the Q-Zero Theater cast. And, as we always say, support local theater, join the revolution. <laughs>